Hello. We at the You Didn't Let Me Finish podcast felt it was necessary to add the following disclaimer. This is a humorous podcast. With regard to the discussion about the Johnny Depp case, we aren't supporting one side or the other, nor do we condone domestic violence of any sort. Reporter Nick Wallace was kind enough to join us, but our thoughts and comments are ours alone and not his. Hello. Hello, Victoria. Hello, Benedict. Oh, I get the full name tree, but am I in trouble? (laughs) I think you always are a bit in trouble, aren't you? You like to keep it that way. When I was a child, it was always, if it was my full name, I knew I'd done something wrong. Well, you were quite a naughty child, weren't you? Yes, possibly. <laughs> now, now you're still a naughty boy. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> a very naughty boy. And talking of naughty boys, mm. we've got a little bit of that kind of stuff coming up in the podcast today, haven't we? We, we yeah, we, we talk a lot about naughty boys, don't we? And Alleged naughty, naughty boys, boys gonna... <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> well, no, one of the naughty boys we're talking about today is definitely a very naughty boy. He's the um, Antoni Imiella, the M25 rapist. We're going to come on to him in a little while, little while. I'm Ben Ando. I'm a former BBC news correspondent, crime reporter, and I also used to work um, for ITN and Channel 5 News. And did you love that? I loved it. I loved my time at ITN. ITN was just a fantastic organisation to work for. Big shout out to ITN. Hey, what about the BBC? Yeah, BBC's OK, but ITN... Really? No, the BBC no, the BBC was wonderful and ITM was wonderful. They're both they're both brilliant news organizations full of really talented people. <laughs> wonderful. I think I think you're right there. I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a journalist and a former fitness instructor, which you told me to say before. <laughs> I'm a country bum. Kin. You said I didn't earn the kin yet. I don't know. I think maybe enough. I think maybe another week's gone by. Maybe you had a you've earned. Wow, a in a week's time, <laughs> excellent. Um, and a nosy Parker, really. We're all that, aren't we? Yeah, we're you are. Nosy. Yeah, twitching neck curtains over your way. Quite nosy Parkers as well. And that's why we're like true crime. And that's why we don't let each other finish. So on with the pod then. <laughs> we want your views on whether Johnny Depp's been a naughty boy, and indeed the son would like to know. Coming up is uh, an interview with Nick Wallace, who's been live tweeting from the trial at the High Court. Yeah, that's right. It's the it is a criminal case. It's a defamation case. It's not like you have... Um, this is not a prosecution carried out on behalf of the Queen. This is two uh, very rich people going up against each other, or rather one very rich person and one very rich news organisation. It's also been in the news because of domestic violence being high on the news agenda. But first... We'd like to talk to you, listening to us and enjoying us wherever you may be. It's you who keeps us going and you're the reason that we're here. So we don't have adverts, as you know, and enjoy. Some of the biggest podcasts I scroll through, (laughs) obviously I listen to the six minutes of adverts that I'm hit with, but we'd like to keep it that way and we'd like to keep it that way for as long as we can and we're putting in the graph to make sure it stays that way. But all we need you to do is rate, subscribe and review. But I have to rape, subscribe and review? <laughs> no, that's Anthony Amelia's job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's dead now, but yes, it was. Or any of the other naughty boys that we feature on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I met oh, somebody yeah. at a barbecue who listens to our podcast. So I'm going to say hello to Rosie. Thanks very much for your kind feedback. I've told Victoria all the points that you made about how terrible she is and she's going to be much better in future. Isn't that right, Victoria? <laughs> 
I was wondering where this was going to go. No, Rosie said you were lots of fun and she really enjoys listening. So thanks to you, Rosie. Oh, really Rosie, to I am lots someone. of fun. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> As I'm, I'm sure you are now. too. I like Rosie. In fact, I think I love you. But if you subscribe, I'll love you even more. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see where this is going? Oh, no, thanks God. for that feedback. We love it. If you like what you hear, just hit that button and it keeps us going without having to annoy you with DIY, you know, advertising for fertiliser or something like that, or whatever it is I have to listen to. Buy your underarm deodorant from this yeah, or that If you or the recreate other. the ads now, they're literally having to listen to them. <laughs> and, and, and the advertisers are getting the advertising for free as well. I think people might... I'm not going to say advertisers, am I? But um, I thought Sponsors, that it, my they? idea of how adverts go would be hugely entertaining, but obviously I'm just running away with myself now I've had one compliment from Rosie. My favourite adverts were those that we used to have when I worked in local radio for, for double glazing and things like that. They were just so awful. Your See? Ears would and it makes you want to sing one. Like the big red building on Golders Green Road. <laughs> Is it yellow building? I can't remember. But who knows where that's that? from? Hands Are up. Shaking back. We put the freshness back. Do the chicken back. <laughs> Come on. We all know that. People have made their... Well, people I know who may be listening to this have made their entire names from a specific advert. So, so really? important and powerful. Yes, indeed. You don't listen to me ever. Well, what people have made their names from adverts? Actually, a potential guest who I was speaking to not long ago. Are we going to feature the Shaken Vac woman? Oh, <laughs> it's not Shaken Vac. It's another. It's actually a bigger uh, advert than that. Which is is it Captain Birdseye? So well. <laughs> I'll keep you guessing. He's going to talk talk. You didn't let me piracy. finish podcast at gmail.com and I'll just talk over you. I'm going to give Captain Birdseye the black spot. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> Moving on then. Okay. You may have heard this in the news over the past few weeks. Pictures of bruised arms and bleeding hands have been filling our front pages and online news feeds over the past two days. The images of the very unhappy marriage of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. The claims and counterclaims about their relationship are playing out in a libel battle in the High Court, both, of course, denying the accusations. That was a clip from a BBC News bulletin, wasn't it, on the radio? That's right. So what happened was, um, in April 2018, Dan Wooten, who is the Sun's showbiz correspondent, um, just wrote an article about the casting of Johnny Depp in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them film franchise, in which he made defamatory comments calling Johnny Depp a wife-beater. Um, so Johnny Depp is suing uh, for libel. The Sun is maintaining that its story is accurate. And, of course, what this has done is... Johnny Depp is now appearing in court and is having to explain to this libel hearing how he's not a wife beater. And of course, in doing that, he's literally laying bare all these details about the relationship that he has with his um, his ex-wife Amber Heard. And I mean, some of it is, is is almost comedy gold, dare I say? I mean, you know, these are serious allegations the son has made, and obviously Johnny Depp feels that they are defamatory to him. But he's talked about how. On, in, their, in their household, it would be normal for them to have dinner in front of the television and then to sit on the, the, their sofa together. But he said that she was really attention-seeking. And if, for example, he didn't hold her hand, she would grab her hand and put it on her thigh so that she was feeding the attention, which doesn't seem like terrible behaviour to me, but, but there we go. And, um, What's she's not claiming... terrible about that? What do you mean? 
well, taking somebody's hand and sort of wanting to, to have physical contact with them if they're your partner doesn't seem beyond the realms of, of Not of if decent, you can't yeah. watch a telly programme without needing their attention. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Mm, yeah, Don't maybe. sue me. Yeah, well, quite. Anyway, so, 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 uh, so, but, but what we're going to be talking to, I mean, you know, this, this is a, a case that sort of we have been following from outside, but um, Nick has been in court listening to this, so I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Nick and hearing what he's got to tell us about it. Yes, and when you said bordering on the comedy, um, I'd like to refer to something that I've put on our at YDLMF podcast Twitter. Amber Turd is the headline <laughs> featured in the Daily Star. Actor blamed wife for poo in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and it She's goes never going to live Amber Turd down, is she? She certainly wants the attention, if that's true. But apparently, that was the uh, that was the deal clincher for leaving. He said. But is is the allegation though that the the matter involved, the stool, was placed in the bed? It wasn't that she was in bed and just decided I can't be bothered to get up. I'm just going to poo right here. The allegation is that she pooed elsewhere, and then somebody transported the poo. Amber Heard or one of her cohort. I think is how it was described, Trans- Tr- transported the poo from wherever she did it to the marital bed and placed it gently in there for Johnny to find. Well, actually, the poo is quite contentious, Ben, because <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently Sasha Wass QC, who made the assertions that it was Boo, one of the couple's two Yorkshire Terriers, who had problems with her toilet habits. Oh, it was a Boo poo, not an amber turd. <laughs> <laughs> How no, it could the other option from Sasha Boss was that it's possibly one of her friends. I don't know <laughs> if they mean a doggy friend or a human friend. <laughs> but Mr. Depp batted that back, saying the dogs were very well trained. <laughs> anyway, I'll just say that we've got Nick Wallace, who's also a, a Radio 4 Panorama journalist, and he's yeah, he's live tweeting the NGN Depp libel trial at the UK High Court so we'll be hearing from him a little bit cool. later Great, <laughs> Ben do you think that we, we got right to the crux of that trial <laughs> yeah quite possibly I think they should wield us in da, 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 da. <laughs> I really think they shouldn't I really think they shouldn't <laughs> we could tell them a thing or two about shitting the bed <laughs> <laughs> you speak for yourself <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> mm. I think I'd like to talk about um, Anthony Imiela, the M25 rapist. So he um, he uh, carried out a series of, of rapes and sexual assaults in a period between 2001 and 2002. And these um, crimes took place in a sort of an area around the M25, Surrey, Kent, Berkshire, London, Hertfordshire. Um, there, there, were, um, there was one in Birmingham as well. And the, the press dubbed him the M25 rapist because people noticed pretty quickly that all these attacks took place quite close to the the sort of the orbital motorway that rings London. Right. So obviously, you know, there was a lot of fear at this time, at this, the, the idea that there, there was this serial rapist on the loose. And so the police, uh, the Kent and Surrey police, where most of the crimes took place, jointly launched an investigation called Operation Orb. And they put out huge public appeals for information. Um, and then, and this resulted in a woman coming forward who expressed suspicion about her neighbour 
Um, and then, luckily, the police had some DNA from some of the crimes, some of the crime scenes. They carried out a DNA swab test on this neighbour, a man named Tony Imiela, and that enabled the police to link him to the attacks. And I remember covering his trial a couple of years later, because it took quite a while for this to happen, and he was sentenced to seven life sentences to serve eight years minimum. And then later, in 2010, he was charged with the rape, indecent assault and buggery of another woman, a 29-year-old Sheila Yankovic. Now, the reason we can name her is because she had actually died before the case came to court. Um, the, the alleged offence took place on Christmas Day 1987 in south-east London. And although she had died in 2006, um, Imiela was charged and in 2010 he appeared in court and t through 2011 to answer these charges. And he was found guilty and he was uh, given an additional 12 years in prison. And, you know, round about now it's quite possible that he would have been eligible to start thinking about parole. However, he died in prison in uh, 2018, which will not, I'm sure, upset very many of those victims of him. Can you mm. give me just the frame that you normally give about how we come to cover these trials and where we're working at the time? Yes, yeah, so at that time I was working for uh, Channel 5 News. I was working for ITN and they provided the news to Channel 5. It was before my BBC days. I do remember the trial took place at uh, Maidstone Crown Court and uh, yeah, I went to some of the locations where he had carried out these attacks to do background filming background work. The police at the time also released quite a bit of CCTV and recordings of interviews that he had given. They, I remember one particular piece of footage was him when he was first arrested and brought into court and ch uh, to be charged. And it was interesting because we knew his name was Antoni Miela. Um, we knew he was um, Polish, born in Germany. But what none of us quite cottoned onto was the fact that he had grown up in, in northeast of England. And so when he's talking to the custody sergeant, he's got this broad Geordie accent, which was, was quite surprising, actually, um, and, and not a little incongruous, because he'd, he, you know, he, he'd been built up as this M25 rapist, and he was Polish, he'd been born in Germany. I'm, I'm not entirely sure that any of us expected him to sound like uh, Gaza when he was speaking. Or like, you know, one of the, and the one comparisons of the guys end there. Auf Wiedersehen, pet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but no, I mean, um, the, but the list of crimes, I mean, I'll go through them quickly. Hmm. So 2001, the first attack was on a 10-year-old a girl who was kidnapped from a leisure centre in Ashford in Kent and raped in Woodland. Then 2002, about six months later, a 12-year-old girl was abducted while cycling in Berkshire um, and she was raped. Again, the same month, just a two, two, two weeks later, a 30-year-old woman was raped in uh, Earlswood in Surrey. And then six hours after that, a 26-year-old woman was raped on Putney Common in London. Um, so those happening very close to each other. So then we're on to the, six, the 16th of July, and he's really, um, I suppose, getting into his stride here, because after a huge gap between 2001 and 2002, which often leaves police thinking, did he just carry out attacks that were never reported to the police or just weren't known about? It's quite possible. In 2002, though, so 1st of July, then the 11th of July, two attacks, and the 16th of July, rape in Woking uh, in Surrey of an 18-year-old woman. And then in August 2002, again, just a couple of weeks later, a 52-year-old woman was raped in Wimbledon Common. Again, the next day, the 7th of August, a 26-year-old woman raped in Epsom in Surrey. And then a bit of a gap to September 2002, a 13-year-old girl, again taken, abducted from her bicycle and raped in Woking in Surrey. 
same month, September, a 22-year-old woman in Ripley in Surrey, but um, Imiela was bitten by her dog and ran off, so she was attacked but wasn't actually raped. Um, 2002, a 14-year-old girl abducted from Stevenage in Hertfordshire and raped at Knife Point. I remember going to that location, actually. It was kind of like a, a bit of sort of woodland between two housing estates. And, and then the last attack that he was convicted of in November 2002, that was a 10-year-old girl indecently assaulted in Birmingham. And, and, that, and that's the only one that was outside this kind of M25 zone. But some shocking, you know, shocking attacks on very young women and girls. Yes, and, that, and his MO, as they say, was stranger rape. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he didn't know these people at all. I think he was very much an opportunist rapist in that he would see, for example, young girls on their bicycles. He he, were, he was usually in a van. I believe he was a railway worker. And so he would be travelling around to various locations to, uh, you know, uh, maintain railway tracks or, or whatever it was he was doing as a, as a rail engineer. And on his way there, on his way back, he would see something and he would just think, right, and he would... As I said, he often had a knife and he would approach his victims usually very quickly from behind, grab them, tell them he had a knife and then just take them into a secluded area where the attack would take place. He was also um, very well known for keeping trophies. He often would keep a a garment of underwear or something similar, like a a trophy of the the crime he'd carried out. Mm, That's um, quite common, isn't it? Yeah, not not at all rare. The um, I mean, lots of murderers, lots of serial killers certainly are very well known for keeping trophies uh, of their victims. Yeah, and it goes together, as far as I understand, with the coercion, the control aspect that they then consider it some kind of accolade of what they've done. And that goes through the trial quite often, doesn't it? That I'm talking in general terms, of course, but something that I'm noticing from covering all these various different sexual and sort of deviant type of crimes and and murders, where there's clearly a power element, that there seems to be a little bit of superiority complex mm-hmm. i don't know actually um i mean one perhaps one of the most shocking you've mentioned um, it before yeah but what's the what's the complex a uh, superiority complex oh yeah i mean yes i suppose that's yeah very in very simple terms they like to think they are getting one over on the police they like to think they're getting one over on society they like to think they can tr- control things around them so for example in the past we've talked about um levi belfield as an ob- obvious example they like to feel that by releasing tiny bits of information or saying, yes, we will tell you where the victim's body is if, the, if that's never been found, they can somehow kind of, even from their prison cell, still exert some kind of control. And this goes all the way back to um, Brady and Hindley, the Moores murderers, because you, you probably won't remember, Victoria, but certainly in the late 1980s, Hindley and I think Brady as well were, in, were separately taken from their respective secure hospitals, prisons, to the Moors because I think Hindley had intimated that she would be able to take police to where one of the victims, Keith Bennett, had been buried. But of course the body was never found and um, Keith Bennett's mother, Winnie, went to her grave never knowing what had actually happened to her son, or at least never having a body to bury and to mourn. I think it's a testament to how big those crimes were and how big they were in the media, certainly, that I do remember. I remember the names of the children, even yeah. though I was a very small child, and possibly because my parents were talking about them, because mm. you can't imagine anything worse. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, murdering small children and then recording their screams. It's just, it goes beyond belief. But you're talking of recording, bizarrely, one of the, perhaps the most... Um, shocking, um, notable um, things that Antoni Imiela did was um, that in one of the uh, cases he used the victim's own mobile phone 
an hour after raping her, to phone the victim's mother and then to taunt her about what he'd done. Oh, my God. So he told her about the offence? Yeah, he, he taunted her. He said, you know, I, I don't know exactly what words were used. I, I can't recall. But he, he, he basically phoned up his victim's mother using her mobile phone to, to taunt her mother about what had happened. Were there any mental health issues? No, no, well... Officially. That's a big dip- yeah, I mean, that's a debate for another day. Um, no, there was no there was no mitigation, there was no suggestion from the defence that Antoni Imiella was um, anything other than of sound mind. I certainly recall that, they, that there was evidence that he was not, shall we say, the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, he was not thought to be of a very high intellect. He was... Um, I mean, there was definitely evidence suggesting that he was kind of... Um, borderline, you know, having learning difficulties. But, um, you know, he had a career, he had a job, he was a, as far as anybody else knew, he was a functioning member of society. And then, as I said, he was, he was so he sentenced to prison. He, while in jail, he was convicted of another um, rape on uh, Christmas Day, 1987. He had time added on to his sentence. But then, um, at the age of 63, because he had heart problems, uh, he was found in his cell um, in Wakefield Prison. And... Uh, and he'd um, collapsed, he'd had some kind of a, 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 a heart problem, and although obviously the prison staff you know, did their best to revive him and get him um, emergency medical care, he, he died, and the cause of death was natural causes. And um, you saw him in court? Yeah, 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 I mean, I saw him... I can't... I don't think he gave evidence in his own defence. I think that he um, he was... Uh, one of those who decided not to try and... Um, possibly because he realised that he wasn't particularly uh, clever or he wouldn't be a particularly... Or he accepted the advice, perhaps, from his exactly. parents. Exactly. He, he wouldn't be a particularly sympathetic uh, witness in his own defence, so he didn't uh, give evidence. As, oh, you don't think that the accent could possibly have softened the jury a little? Well, in the way that um, call centres are staffed with people from the North East, because that's considered by most people to be the warmest and friendliest accent. You know where I'm going with this, Ben. <laughs> no. Well, I, I mean, my recollection of, of his voice from having heard it on these, um, you know, on these tapes, and also, you know, he did speak occasionally to confirm his name, that kind of thing, was that he, it was a fairly guttural. It wasn't the, the most charming, gentle, lilting uh, North East accent you've ever heard. You know, it wasn't Cheryl Cole. Well, it may have been a little mixed with um, German and Polish, so imagine that one. Yeah, bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> so that's Antoni Imiela, the M25 rapist. I wanted to say something about the domestic violence aspect because that's been in the news along with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard because, in fact, the bulletin that we just played... Radio 4, the way that they introduced it was you have seen the pictures of, you know, mutilated fingers and so on. And therefore, we're going to talk about domestic violence increased in lockdown, which is something that we've mentioned before. But I thought it was quite interesting that that was the way that they took it forwards, because certainly nothing's been, you know, it's a it's a libel action and it's kind of an aspect within the case. It's It's really common sense isn't it you know that if you get people who are maybe not in the the best relationship and they are cooped up inside a house for a period of time and you know when it's going on they're not entirely sure how long that period is going to be it could be anything from you know what we told at the start it could be six weeks it could be 12 weeks nobody really knew 
um, then it's quite clear that there will be tensions and in some cases those tensions will erupt into violence and most of the time the violence will be male on female but there are cases as we know that have been reported of, um, of women um, being violent to their male partner it's quite possible there will be more violence than there would be if those people were getting a breather from each other. Yes, and children are being included in the under that umbrella term of, of abuse and, and violence. So Yes, and that's desperately sad, of course. We've covered so many crimes so far that have, you know, included children. Certainly the, there was a huge aspect of domestic violence, which actually at the time of um, Fred and Rose West's offences was not really counted as that so much and that was a big reason why a lot of the crimes weren't picked up on or followed up by police. Without further ado, our guest today, journalist Nick Wallace, who is Radio 4, Channel 5, Panorama and currently live reporting the Johnny Depp versus NGN libel trial at the UK High Court and that started on the 7th of July. Nick, you know, thanks very much indeed for joining us. We're really glad to have you here. It's an absolute honour to be here. The trial itself is, is is something of a circus. I mean, you've got not 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 obviously the within the courtroom, but outside it, you've got all the paps and uh, people trying to catch the shots of Johnny that they want and uh, Amber Heard. Um, and inside, they're utilising five courtrooms because the, the Royal Courts of Justice, as as I'm sure you both know, virtually empty at the moment because of the COVID situation. So to uh, enforce social distancing and to take advantage of the fact they've got so much space they've got the principal courtroom which is court 13 they've got uh, another courtroom just for lawyers because i imagine that uh, all parties taking you know uh, giving evidence to come completely lawyered up with this uh, and then they've got a reporter's court and then two courts for members of the public which i, ha I haven't seen a single member of the public because the royal courts of justice is so vast all these courts are all over the place i haven't seen anyone who's queuing up to get into the the public courts because the reporter court is in a completely different building so it's quite it's quite it's quite an interesting setup they've got going on have you seen johnny doing his entrances that we've all seen well no because we have to go in early to get our place in the reporter room however when i made an application to the court on friday morning to get the transcripts uh, i went and sat on my own outside court 13 physically handing these applications to the various counsel wandering past and the judge's clerk and uh, so i saw mr depp stride past me i i was momentarily brushed by his charisma as he walked into court holding a coffee cup it, it was it was a little performance uh, he sort of was, was sipping his coffee cup he, he handed his coffee cup to his security and then sort of did a little bow to the woman who the usher who was holding the door open for him and and strode in so he was in character by the time he got to court Yes, I've noticed that they're quite willing to do the shots looking quite jolly. I mean, they are seeming to be in character. I mean, Johnny Depp's been famous since he was 21, and I think he lives his life in character. He is who he is. He's, he's, I mean, I was, I, I'm not in the same court, and that is a, a crucial issue. But he is comes across as an immensely charismatic person. He is clearly very intelligent. He chooses his words uh, although sometimes he's sort of slurring and drawling a little bit too much. He's 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 very, very particular about what he says. He's very well read. He's obviously got great cultural appreciation, particularly counter-cultural appreciation, which he keeps trying to digress into at length, but gets cut short. Uh, and yeah, he's playing the part of a Hollywood star who has nothing to hide, 
being incredibly polite and attentive to both the barrister who is regularly accusing him of domestic violence and to the judge, which either is part of his natural manners or has been made aware that he needs to be incredibly attentive and polite whilst he is sitting in the witness box. Is this case being tried or being heard in front of a jury or is it just a judge who's going to make it? No, it's just a single judge, Mr Justice Nicholl. So in that regard, publishing everything that's happening is... um, and publishing the transcripts and evidence and all that sort of thing is 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 open season in a way. It's just extricating it from the court service, which which can be tricky at times. And it was my work on the post office trial that gave me a, a backgrounding, not only in the live tweeting and the uh, the monetizing, I suppose, through through crowdfunding, uh, but also the methods by which you should try and get what you are not quite entitled to, but by convention should be allowed to see and get your hands on. How does it work? Because when tweeting started coming in for court reporters, that was when my court reporting, just my duties changed in what we do. So um, how does it actually... Oh, go on. How, how, did you, how did your duties change? They don't want people to report from court so much. Mm-hmm. That was simply it, and I just started doing other stuff. Oh, I see. Oh, that's so I started doing reporting and reading at that time, and then I didn't go back to court reporting very much. So how does it actually work, the sort of tweet? I'm, I'm kind of intrigued how it works with the tweeting and whether you have to have a specific method to do it if you're just focusing on that media. I developed a technique which I used in the two post office trials, which was to link my laptop to my mobile phone's 4G signal. So uh, my phone became a Wi-Fi hotspot and then I did the tweeting on an app called TweetDeck which I think most people are aware of it's a it's a really powerful app and a little bit quicker than refreshing your browser it it allows you to it, it refreshes within the app a tiny fraction quicker so you just bash out what you hear as you hear it hit uh, publish and you, you have a two or three second lag which is infuriating because of course you're then losing you're, you're getting behind uh, and then you, you put in the next tweet and you, you become sort of pretty expert at uh, using the right shorthand that people can still understand but 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 at the same time allows you to type that tiny bit more quickly I mean I'm not a trained typist so I, I just go as hard as hard and as fast as I can and of course your legal obligation is to be contemporaneous, accurate and fair. So you don't have to be comprehensive and you don't have to publish everything verbatim so long as you are accurate and fair in what you write, which is, I suppose, where your journalist training comes in. You are able to just channel what is being said in court and put it out there. But I always put a disclaimer at the top of every day's uh, live tweeting saying, look, what you are hearing is a summary and a paraphrase of what's being said. You are not having verbatim quotes unless I get lucky and I, I, I get a verbatim quote that goes straight into my head and there's a little pause in proceedings afterwards so that I can ensure that I've got it absolutely spot on. Uh, it's never very anything very interesting, but I'm always quite proud when I can actually get an actual verbatim tweet out. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's summary and paraphrasing, which is why I was so keen to get the transcripts, because of course the live tweets have a value in the second that they are being published, but the transcripts are for the ages, aren't they? So get, getting hold of those is what is what people will be relying on once the tweets are a distant memory. And how do you find that tweeting has been on this particular trial? It was phenomenal because I, I, I wasn't required to tweet for Five News. I was there to do a VT 
for for five o'clock but because i i suppose i enjoy it and because i thought well i'm just going to be sitting here otherwise soaking it all up i might as well make myself useful and five news uh, is very active on social media and twitter so i thought well, this this will be potentially might grow some interest in in my report later on which we would then tweet out obviously after it had been broadcast uh, I, I just started bashing out the tweets and suddenly my mentions started flipping in a way that i have never seen i have got more followers in the last five days than i have over 12 years of being on Twitter. I've gone from 6,000 to something like 14,000 over the space of uh, five days. And it was flipping in a way that I couldn't quite believe. I thought, oh my goodness, I, I, I should have realized, of course, he's one of the most famous men in the world. And he has a loyal and devoted fan base. And uh, Me Too and issues of domestic violence are very, very considerably uh, you know, front and center in terms of the, the national debate um, and the international debate. And so all these Americans who were clearly for information about what was happening in this trial very very quickly told their friends that there was a british journalist in court live tweeting and the response the reaction was, was just phenomenal to the extent that uh, at the end of the day i sort of because i didn't have any work wednesday to friday i sort of half jokingly tweeted oh maybe i should just turn up tomorrow and and, and continue doing the live tweets for fun and the avalanche of replies i got um begging me to do it made me think well yeah might as well i'm not doing anything else if they don't let me into court because i haven't got a, a channel 5 news uh, accreditation then i'm going to do some work sitting in a pressemanger in central london um <laughs> well yeah if, if i could find one that was open um and i said i said i'll i'll give it a go i didn't and then and then i realized that because i crowdfunded the um the post office story and i had a a, a tip jar essentially which could be utilized for any purpose i thought well if the people in America could just chuck me, you know, enough to buy a cup of coffee and my bus fare, then I'll, I'll, you know, just do it at a modest loss. And once I had managed to wangle my way into court, I, I put a couple of links up to the crowdfunding page that I've got and uh, very quickly had paid for my entire day rate <laughs> to be there. So it was it was it was great. It was really gratifying. And so I just carried on doing it Thursday and Friday. And I, I've, I've got it. I'm confident that I've potentially got enough left to to at least do Monday next week uh, and, and maybe a bit more. Amazing. When I've been tweeting from court, certainly in criminal trials it's a bit different, but certainly I did a tweet from a an appeal around a badger cull a few years ago, and I can't recall the exact circumstances, but I remember, of course, you know, first of all, you get the, um, the animal rights, if you like, barrister setting out the case for the appeal and the appellants. And then, of course, you had the... Um, the barristers acting for the, the, the government on this and mm. setting out the case for having a badger cull. And I was tweeting about these and sort of saying, you know, you know, so-and-so barrister says, da 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 And I, I was getting sort of lots and lots of, this is brilliant, BBC, you know, from the animal rights people, when I was tweeting what the barrister on their behalf was saying was, this is great, BBC reporting what's going on in court, you know, this, these poor badgers, so-and-so. Then when I started tweeting what the other barrister was saying, who was saying what the government's position was, it just flipped, and suddenly it was typical BBC bias, you know, <laughs> outrageous nonsense, not telling the truth, you know. And it was like, wow, you you do understand, don't you, that both barristers get a chance to speak in this? And I just wondered if you, when you've been, say, um, tweeting, you know, what maybe uh, Johnny Depp's some representatives are saying, it's all sweetness and light. But if you're tweeting, perhaps what what Sasha is it Sasha Watts is acting for. Um, the newspaper. I can't yeah, Sasha remember. Watts is, yeah. Sasha Watts was cross-examining uh, Johnny Depp all week, basically. So she was pushing it to him that he was a, 
he was a, a wife beater and he was he was denying it and uh, well I, I mean i would I, I i would hesitate to speculate but there are a huge number of johnny depp fans following this and mm. they are very very well versed in the he said she says of all this and they they are absolutely certain as to who is in the right and who is in the wrong here um, but i just have to say i again with the disclaimer about being um paraphrasing and summarizing i also say look i have a legal duty and a professional duty to be absolutely straight down the line on this i'm not and, and i get people in my dms because i have my dms open and i do a sort of at the end of the day i say look if you've got any questions about this trial that you want me to answer just dm me and i'll do my best to do it in in, in the evening i i, I don't <laughs> i don't know whether i'm gonna when it's when it flips and amber heard starts giving evidence or, or being cross-examined that i'm suddenly going to have people turn on me <laughs> which is I, a, I, a, an interesting thought <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, Johnny Depp, as you said, has got, you know, a large sort of, you know, there'll be lots of fanboys and girls who are reading what you're saying. And then at the moment, as you as maybe it's they can see that it's him getting to speak and you're you are tweeting, you know, give and take what he is saying as best you can. And they're understanding that but when they start hearing from her side, I wonder if, it, if it, there will be some pushback and you will find people not quite able to make the distinction between you as a correspondent in court simply um, reflecting what's going on. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, that's what I, I mean. That kind of was an education for me as to how people don't really necessarily understand what they are reading um, because they don't look at the entire threads. And I suspect there'll be lots of people just dipping in who see yeah. a couple of tweets and start yeah. firing, you know, get that social media anger going. <laughs> but it's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it, but, it's an interesting website, Twitter. I mean, I don't, I don't think if I was, wasn't a journalist, I would be. I, I mean, it, because it does bring out the worst in people, but it is such a wonderful platform for so many different aspects of a lot of people's work, actually. You know, it's been a genuine education being on that particular site that you just, I suppose, develop techniques to filter out the huge amounts of abuse that flies around towards other people. And I, and I suppose, I suppose, I mean, I, I suppose I've got quite a thick, thick hide as a journalist now. And if, if people want to have a go, I think the, the best thing to do is ignore them. If people want to be nice, uh, then, then it's, it's nice to interact and respond. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's heartening to get lovely tweets uh, from people. And if you're going to accept that, that you are affected by lovely tweets from people, then you've got to roll with the punches when they come. I wanted to ask about the details of the case, and um, Amber Heard is going to start giving evidence. Amber Heard's on Friday. We've got a number of Johnny Depp flunkies, I think all the way through to Thursday. Then Amber Heard starts on Friday. She's due to give evidence for, I think, two and a half days, although given how much Johnny Depp slipped, it could go longer. And then all her associates and flunkies will come after her into the third week of the trial. So we're going to hear from Winona Ryder and Vanessa Paradis for Johnny Depp this week, during which they're expected to say uh, he never laid a finger on us, Gov. Okay. And what Depp is claiming is that Heard has, is setting him up as a part of a hoax? Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, this is Sasha Watts's line of attack. She has two main prongs of attack. The first is that uh, Johnny Depp has taken so many drugs over the course of his adult life that he blacks out. But before he blacks out, he gets very angry and then he does things that he can't remember whilst he is blacked out. And, and her insinuations that this is when he commits the acts of violence that he says that he didn't do. And the other prong of the attack is uh, that, 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 that getting Johnny Depp 
to potentially sound rather ridiculous with the idea that from even before she met him, he was she was planning to uh, sort of ingratiate herself with him, spend a number of years with him, marry him, and then claim that he was uh, an abusive husband in order to secure her position and uh, I mean the disdain in Sasha Wass when she says and you call this all part of the hoax do you and and as he politely says yes ma'am you know <laughs> you can't speculate on what view the judge will take of that and it may well be that Ms Heard was planning to uh, you know become the sort of person that Johnny Depp would want to marry and then take him to the cleaners afterwards but it, it, it's definitely part of uh, NGN's case that suggesting this is implausible what stood out to you because we were talking ben and i were talking a little earlier in the podcast about um the defecation matter of defecation that was discussed over the past last week now what, what's what else has stood out has that been because that doesn't seem to be very clear either no it hasn't been resolved i mean johnny depp is absolutely insistent that his cleaner found human feces in their bed and uh, as far as he was concerned, there could be a number of culprits, either Amber Heard herself or uh, her associates. I mean, in court, he, he didn't speculate that it might have been Amber Heard and no one suggested that it was, although there were quotes that uh, <laughs> were revealed in case <laughs> in court from texts that he sent at the time calling her Amber Turd or Amber <laughs> down in the dumps <laughs> and, and, and all that sort of thing. You know, he, he found it very, very funny at first uh, and he admitted doing so in court because he also admitted having a very puerile and childish sense of humour. Sophomoric was the, was the word that he used oh. and childish was another word that he used. So, so obviously... Uh, you can imagine how Amber Heard is gassed that uh, he would claim that it was either her or any of her associates. And uh, NGN's case is that this is the, the one of the two dogs that they had uh, in their flat, um, one of whom was allegedly not very well toilet trained. I mean, but th that... <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 scatological and it's amusing in that regard. But some of the other stuff is is very very dark. I mean, the, there is no doubt that uh, he 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 has taken prodigious amounts of drugs throughout his life, and that there are there have been some. Well, they, they he himself said that he and Amber Heard were a crime scene waiting to happen. Well, they're alleging that in fact, yes, he he was the one committing that that crime, uh, which you know he he continues to deny. So it. it, it some of the pictures that you see of some of the damage, uh, the, the lines of cocaine, this, this strange celebrity bubble that they lived in where they could get private planes and just ship off to different continents at the drop of a hat after a row and order drugs when they were in those continents, which their flunkies would get for them, that they could then ingest heavily and either black out or have rows or, or fights or whatever. It, it is a very, very strange world to get a window into and, and it is grimly fascinating i mean you know he is a, a big uh, fan of the counterculture and he's living that dream nick you mentioned um, before that um sasha was i think had said that because of his drug use throughout his adult life he has these things where he blacks out and the suggestion is he turns violent before he blacks out does he agree yes i do black out is that something he acknowledges uh, uh, the position that that sasha was is trying to put him in is the admission that he has no memory of how he has behaved. So he is mentally blacking out in a way before he then physically blacks out. And whilst he is mentally blacked out, he commits acts of violence. Um, 
and he admits that he has thrown bottles of champagne, that he's punched light fittings. And essentially, she got as far as I think she was likely to need to do with the judge to suggest to Mr. Depp that actually his uh, apparent clarity of memory after ingesting 10 ecstasy tablets and, and a bottle of whiskey uh, was not perhaps as good as he might have been suggesting in his witness statements. And has there been any suggestion, because I think you also mentioned that when he's in court, he's very polite, but also he does tend to occasionally slur his words. Is there any suggestion that that's all part of the impact that drugs have had on him? Uh, well, actually, he, he I mean, I say occasionally slurring his words. He's picking his words carefully and he has a very southern drawl. But one thing that struck me is that he is very sharp. He's very well read. He is very articulate. He is incredibly charismatic and he has a lovely turn of phrase, uh, which, which is a journalist's dream. There is no doubt that he, he uh, has taken enough drugs to kill a bull elephant several times over. And I'd be surprised if it didn't have an effect on it. But he, he's not showing it in court. He's very dapper, very smart, very charismatic. And, 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 and he just get the sense that he is used to having people listen to what he's saying. So he speaks with a very easy drawl and he's not used to having a, a quite strict, officious English QC with a received pronunciation telling him to stop talking because she needs to get to her next question. There's a lot of yes, Mr. Depp. I think we've heard quite enough about that already. Now, would you mind just answering yes or no? Uh, but he doesn't react or respond or, or, or take offence to her manner of questioning. He, 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 in a rather unfortunate phrase, said, I'm easy to roll with the punches, your lordship. <laughs> did, 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 that, did that surprise you that he didn't uh, push back or get maybe a little bit stroppier about being spoken to like that? Because it can't be something that happens a lot if he's an alien Hollywood, Hollywood star. No, I can't imagine it's happened to him in the last 20 years. Uh, it, it is either a measure of the coaching that he has had, and of course witness coaching is, is strictly not allowed, but I'm sure he would have taken advice as to what to expect, or he is acting brilliantly uh, as someone who might inside or underneath be fuming, but he, he has shown a couple of signs of exasperation, and certainly towards the end of a day of, of sort of six hours worth of being told that he is someone who he, he, he considered to be you know beneath contempt and, and being told that he is that person over the course of six hours you know he he was getting a tiny bit exasperated and weary but but that's as far as it went and certainly verbally if you look at the transcript it's no ma'am no ma'am yes ma'am i'm sorry ma'am that didn't happen ma'am and 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 uh, very very polite and cooperative throughout Fascinating. I'd like to know about some of the details which you found. You mentioned that they were quite shocking. Is there anything for people who are kind of maybe tuning in and haven't been across the whole trial so far that you can kind of summarise as the shockers for us? Uh, well, there was the recording of him where he is holding a knife, an audio recording, and you can hear Amber Heard. I mean, it's very muffled, but Amber Heard is, is saying, what are you going to do with the knife? trying to suggest or seeming to suggest that he might be about to attack her and uh, his point of view uh, which you could interpret from the very muffled uh, audio recording that he was saying you know i want you to cut me um uh, because you you know you 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 you've taken you've taken my blood from me why not just take the actual blood and so that was that was quite a dark moment there were there were there were the the, the episode on the plane where uh, johnny depp claimed to have just been sitting there doing some light reading and 
drawing in his journal before uh, Amber Heard started an argument. So he he left that area of the private plane and went to sleep in its bathroom was contradicted by some of the evidence that Sasha Wasps brought up, which in a text to Paul Bettany suggested that he drank two bottles of champagne, stayed up for several nights beforehand, ingested loads of cocaine and ecstasy and uh, did did and said some bad, nasty things or became a bad, nasty person on that flight, which again is that contrast between and, and during that flight he was alleged to have kicked amber heard in in the back uh, because uh, because he he got so frustrated with her remonstrating with him over uh, his drug use so it, 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 you know it, it's clear that his memory of what happened on that flight is faulty but that doesn't of course necessarily mean that her allegation that he kicked her is the case and and the the cutting off the tip of his finger is again he says was something that amber heard did by smashing a bottle down on his finger and uh, whatever happened in that room in australia was pretty bleak and involved a huge amounts of, of, of cocaine and, and alcohol um certainly on his part and that's why it's not at all clear but but the, uh, amber heard's argument is that she wasn't even in the room when he did what he did and 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 so you you're, you're seeing a constant picture being painted of a man who at times in his life was hoovering up controlled substances, which, uh, you know, I, 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 it, just the, the sheer volume that, that he was taking on board, both alcohol-wise and, and, and uh, recreational drug-wise, plus the prescription drugs that he was on. You, you do wonder how superb his memory of those occasions must have been, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was engaged in domestic violence when he can't remember what he was doing. So that 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 is the general sort of thrust of the, the, the back and forth that have been happening in court over the last week. And I, I think it makes it very interesting as to what all the flunkies are going to say uh, this week, because most of them are in the pay of either Johnny Depp or Amber Heard. I mean, they are paid staff. These are the people who were there to, as Sasha was said, clean up the mess uh, that you've made, not not confront you about your bad behaviour and, and leave you free to get on with the with with the next episode without any responsibility for your actions, which, you know, if, if you've seen Entourage, um, may well be a, a reasonable sort of stereotyping of, of what the people around Johnny Depp and Amber Heard do for them. So quite how reliable their evidence is going to be in and, and how well it's going to stand up to forensic cross-examination by a very fierce QC will be really interesting. So although to a certain, apart from Vanessa Paradis and Winona Ryder, there are no celebrity witnesses, these are the people who who do know where the bodies are buried to use an unfortunate phrase, uh, and may well have an interest in defending their employer rather than uh, honesty to the court, which I think may well be a mistake if, if, they, if they're attempting to do that, given, given how skilled at cross-examination both David Sherbin, who is Johnny Depp's barrister, and uh, Sasha Waskisi are. Brilliant. Uh, thanks very much, Nick. That's been really interesting, really given us a real flavour of what it's like... Uh... Uh, in the court there for the Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard and Sun newspapers uh, case. Yeah, it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. Well, we haven't had a chance to talk about your other work. So the the post office. Oh, yeah. yeah, go for it if you want to. Well, I was wondering if you might want to, when maybe when this is kind of over and... Uh, and oh, yeah. Yeah, no, sure, because the post office thing is going to blow up massively and, I, and, and you know, it's all going to start going through the Court of Appeals soon. So, yeah, if you want to get me on again I'd, I'd love it yeah yeah no, let's, let's dip into that one near the time when it's yeah. sort of you know when it's live yeah 
also, I don't want to forget to ask you about your crowdfunding, how people can do that. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, it's nickwallace.com. I've got a website and it's got, there's a little tip jar on my website. There's a little thing button that says tip jar if anyone wants to. Wasn't that great to hear from Nick? It's so it's it's great. You know, you, you can't beat when you hear from somebody who's actually been in court following a case, the, the mm. cut and thrust of it from moment to moment. It's Thanks. what we love to do, you and I. Yeah, absolutely. I love. I used to love uh, court reporting. Really enjoyed it. Always good. But especially that trial. Well, this is actually the thing, isn't it? Because what Nick was saying was how, you know, D- Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I bet the pair of them are never used to people standing up to them telling them no actually interrogating what they're saying it's just yes ma'am no ma'am three bags full ma'am clearly johnny depp has been able to keep it together and stay you know play that part of the sort of polite courteous um witness um it'll be interesting to see if uh, amber heard manages to do the same well i didn't get my celebrity details in there my celebrity in the know information but i have heard from staff that he is very quiet very quietly spoken, very nice, never gives anyone any trouble, unless the door's locked, obviously. But yeah, no, um, um, also what you pointed out about that trial, that it's nice to um, to have a civil trial. Yes, absolutely. A bit different. Mm. And um, it treated in the way that, you know, Nick's kind of acting, you know, he's, he's using Twitter in such an interesting way. And it's kind of, engendered quite a lot of response from the states like we have a bit yeah if yeah, you're absolutely. if you're listening oh, some of our american friends are very nice about us and um we love you so hopefully this will give you more incentive because nick nick should come back to us shouldn't he yeah and, i mean uh, absolutely i think update. you know once we get to the end of this um, it'll be interesting to have a little update from nick and also for him to talk about his um the other big scoop he worked on which was the story about the post offices which we'll come to on another podcast Mm, yes it's actually it's really good so um we'll revisit that but moving on i'd like to extend that um that thanks that i was giving to our american friends to all of our listeners so thank you for listening but what's important is to mention the all the follows that we've had we're really touched by this because uh, first of all we didn't know how many of you would be listening to us so thanks for that but also the support on social media and the kind words from all of you mainly you know the the also the podcasts that we are working alongside in the true crime genre so um, I'm going to name a few of you who've been quite supportive and I'd like to just say hello Sinisterhood my brother's funnier than me always time for true crime malice lady justice as usual um because she's a friend of the podcast we had her last week as you know uh, unpredictably us uh, dos spukenios what a great name that is isn't it ben for a podcast it's, it's an awesome name dos spukenios you're fantastic reverie as usual we we love your work and the detective podcast of course our friend of the podcast uh, the detective podcast so that's uh, mark williams thomas of course and uh, all of your interactions uh, and of course rate subscribe and review because that's something that we've only just worked out is important to our survival here and continuing without ads because they're a pain in the bum <laughs> If you're a podcast listener, well, it must be the thing that riles you most. It riles me most. So um, we can stay ad-free and just be delightful for you. Di- it Directly delightful. 
<laughs> You're always directly delightful. I want to talk about um, some of the feedback that I've had about guests. Different people like different guests. And I think, Ben, didn't that lady mention it to you who you spoke to? Yeah, she did. I had a, uh, I met um, a lady at the barbecue who said she's a fan of the podcast, and she said that um, you know some of the guests she's um, she she doesn't she doesn't necessarily um, agree with everything they say, but she's interested to hear them say it. Um, and of course, we have got we are going to have a very interesting guest guest in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Can you we say hope. that in English? You heard it going to have a wedding. You didn't let me finish it in English. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a well, you know, and we should probably just you know have a little sneak peek. We're not going to say who it is, but we have got somebody who's vastly experienced uh, in the world of crime, um, and who I first encountered many years ago when I was working the crime beat, and who's a lovely guy, um, very genuine, and knows an awful lot, and really does know what he is talking about. When you say vastly experienced, and will it be will it be letting our listeners on to too much information, telling you in what respect? Sorry, I think... telling them in what respect. Uh, I, I just think you know I, I don't want to say too much because you know we we need to um, I, I yeah but not not the fact that he's like a prolific pickpocket well no he's not a criminal <laughs> he's he's definitely not a criminal <laughs> he's he's not picket he's not picketed any pocketed pickety pocketing have you got a hangover by any chance Ben <laughs> possibly uh, he's not picked any pockets he's um but no he's a, he's um he's a he's a great guy and is and he always talks a lot of sense vastly experienced and really looking forward to having a chat with him with you as well great and if you say that you know what you're on about so um that's a endorsement if ever I heard exactly. it exactly okay great so thanks to nick obviously um uh, and we will talk next time thanks to you ben oh and thanks to you victoria you're wonderful um no i mean uh, you, no you're amazing no i mean really you're amazing <laughs> can um, can you tell me something about your life at the moment because we don't do our covid updates now do we um, oh and i was going to give you a local update here Oh, let's hear the local yes. update then. I'm all um, agog. Do you remember the freak accident cherry picker death? I do, yes. Yes, that was a Devonshire incident. I'm going to, I've got to find the right page. Give me a moment. Where did I open it up? Oh, I've got to scroll through something. One sec. Well, I remember what you told me. That it was somebody well, who lives near you. The inquest is underway. Ah, That's go on. the update. And what's been said at the inquest so far? Has it been reported? No, it's just been opened. So I just wanted to kind of say that, that we're still keeping an eye on that and we've got any further details. So the the update is for further updates. Well, I'm we'll reasonably sure that we should have you as our reporter in court, in the coroner's court, to, to, to ferret out the truth. Mm, well, I've been inspired by Nick's work. <laughs> mm, he's shown me how it's done. But, he has, um, absolutely. Yes, and uh, oh yeah, and we used to give our COVID kind of how our weeks were going. We don't do that anymore. So because I quite like to end the podcast on some kind of upbeat note, and then if we could, if you could possibly make me laugh, oh that gosh, that's be a nice outro. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, you know, I suppose we're all getting back to normal, aren't we? I've been down to I went down to London barbecue. I've um, have you been, been down to London about. twice? Yes, I went down to see my friend Mike as well. We had a look few, at you in the big smoke, COVIDing it up. Absolutely, we went and sat in our socially distanced pub and had our socially distanced pints of Citra IPA. How do you do tasty. that with a mask on? Um, well, I, I I got a straw, so I pushed the straw through the mask. No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but I made you laugh. 
<laughs> the picture of me sitting there with my mask and a straw coming out of it. I'm supping my beer. I don't know. I thought it might be like the, the those kind of curly straw glasses that we got on my dad. Well, actually, the barbecue... Well, I say it was a barbecue I went to. It was supposed to be a barbecue. And then when I got there, I discovered that the hostess, because she was trying to do a socially distanced thing, thought that a barbecue with people sort of walking up and being handed burgers and sausages and chicken wings and all the rest of it wouldn't work. So what she did was she just went out to Marks and Spencer and bought a shed load of packs of sandwiches, wraps, bags of Doritos and crisps and little tubs of sort of hummus and things and just said right there you are just help yourself and go and sit on chairs two meters apart to eat them <laughs> that must have been jolly did it, it feel was, like home it was actually a very it was a really nice party but it was slightly strange with the social distancing thing going on so it was a barbecue which didn't actually contain a barbecue yeah no no meat was grilled no barbecue coals were lit no <laughs> oh, men stood around. i bet someone was a bit miffed about that <laughs> no, no men stood around telling each other how best to get the barbecue lit <laughs> <laughs> what just just because the women really love hearing that oh i bet that fills them with joy gladdens their hearts <laughs> oh i'd love to see your face when you turned up and they told you there was no big slabs of meat <laughs> heading your way oh. no eyes were rolled oh an egg and cress sandwich thanks i actually had a mexican three bean wrap i'll have you know <laughs> ranchero absolutely <laughs> how wild you didn't wash it down with the tequila, did you? Arriba. What? I, I, I washed it down with um, some white wine and some Prosecco. Oh, pour it in, Ben. I did. It was lovely. I just, I liked your little flat Arriba there. <laughs> <laughs> the only Mexican I know. Spanish <laughs> oh, I don't know. We eat quite a lot of Mexicans, so we should know. If you oh, yeah. sit down and think about it, you'll know. Chimichanga, I know that. Guacamole. I know, oh, I know burrito. I love a burrito. Oh, we love it. That, that, when's your first um, post-lockdown burrito going to commence then? <gasps> oh, God. Oh, I want that. Um, I'm going to open the doors of oh, Benito's just, hat just, and you'll be yeah. charging in like a bull. I will, yeah. Benito's fat. Benito's back. Oh, Oh, Benito's weird. back. And Chilangos, so's our fat tortillas. as well. There's one, um, there's one in Cambridge that I might go to called um, Nana Mexico. I wonder if we can get sponsored by a burrito place. That's the only sponsorship I want. They'll give us free burritos. <laughs> Send me free burritos. Oh, Ariba. <laughs> <laughs>